This week's episode of the Art Tactic Podcast is brought to you by ArtBase. Did you know that ArtBase is the best love software in the art world? ArtBase offers products that do everything you need to run your art business. Track your art and your contacts and cross-reference them. Make invoices, generate consignments, run all kinds of reports, even use it on your iPad or iPhone at art fairs or while you're away. Take it from the thousands of happy ArtBase clients all over the world. ArtBase is the right software for your art business. Visit ArtBase.com to find out more. Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm Adam Green. In this week's end-of-the-year podcast, we're here with Katya Kazakina, art market reporter for Bloomberg News, and she's here to help us recap the art market and the art world in 2016. Katya, thanks so much for coming on. How have you been? Good. I'm glad to be here. Looking back at 2016, what were a few of the biggest storylines in the art market and the art world in your view? Um, well, I mean, I think the main um, the main storyline was really um, the contraction um, of the art market, um, of the auction sales. Um, some we've seen it throughout um, the season, throughout uh, the entire year, um, and um, it really pretty much like most of the year um, to um, to figure out like what's going on because the. Um, initially, the the prices were we've seen some prices just um, significantly lower um, on the repeat sales, and um, and the overall totals were a lot lower. And then, kind of as the year went on, it became clear that the demand is there, but the supply is is, is really tightened because of initially of the nervousness around the oil, the oil prices were plummeting, and then, of course, there were concerns about Brexit and the U.S. election, so all those fears um, played into um, this really tightening uh, supply. You know, owners of, of great artworks, those discretionary sellers really didn't feel like it was the right moment to sell. There were no big estates coming to the market, and so... Um, so that played into um, into that contraction. Actually, the Sotheby's just um, posted the final, I think, figures for the year, and it looks like their um, auction auction sales are down uh, 26% um, from a year ago. So that was one um, big storyline, of course. And then another one was this uh, massive uh, kind of a staff turn turnover at at the auction houses, uh, which points look like musical chairs, you know, we've uh, started um, really largely when um, Sotheby's offered buyouts to its staff, and then that was late last year, and then in January, uh, Sotheby's acquired uh, art agency partners, a private uh, art advisory firm founded by Amy Capalazzo and Alan Schwartzman, Um, that led to more departures uh, from Sotheby's of very senior uh, dealmakers. Some of them are going to Christie's, some of them are going to Phillips, and then of course Christie's also um, had some layoffs and people were leaving, and there are more than a dozen, two dozens of pretty major people uh, and from or people from major departments who have left um, and they are now going to Southeast and you know and of course the year is ending with very big kind of final chords one of them uh, was that you know Christie's uh, named 
former Saturday's executive as its new CEO, and the week before, Brett Gorvey, who was the head of uh, contemporary poster and contemporary art at Christie's Worldwide, announced that he is leaving to join uh, Dominic Levy Gallery. So there was just all this movement in the auction houses, and it's really interesting to see how it's going to all play out because a lot of people uh, were on gardening leaves. They had non-competes, so they're still not where they're going to land, and um, some of them are starting early in the first quarter of next year. So, you know, there's been so much shift and so much change in this auction houses, which I really haven't seen so much movement, even at some of uh, more um, dramatic moments in, in, in the last 20 years, that people usually stay put and they don't go to the competition and just you know, in the last year, all of this sort of exploded. Um, and then, you know, some other big themes that, you know, have captivated, I think, uh, the art market was the, the money laundering investigation um, around uh, uh, Joe Lowe, this Malaysian businessman who um, was a big buyer in 2013 and 14 at, at Christie's, and then, um, you know, used the collection that he amassed uh, to borrow about $107 million from Sotheby's Financial Services. So that was a very interesting story. And then there were really big lawsuits, I think, in the last year, one of them um, which pitted um, the royal family of Qatar, some of the most powerful members, against Leon Black, and they were fighting over this uh, a beautiful uh sculpture uh, by Pablo Picasso, and, and then, of course, the, the big Nodler trial, um, where everyone was in the courtroom um, listening to, um, to, to to all the depositions uh, and all um, the testimonies. Um, and um, and then I think the last kind of a big thing that I wanted to flag was, of course, the, the, the tax, tax evasion um, Settlements uh, that you know in, in New York State authorities really went after top dealers and collectors, including Larry Kaposian and A.B. Rosen, um, and and there were significant settlements over uh, not paid uh, taxes on art acquisitions and sales, and um, that's also something we haven't seen in such um, number um, for a while. So I think that seems like it's one of the things that will probably is likely to continue into 2017. Listening to you recap some of the top stories, it really was an eventful year for the art market and the art world in 2016. I'm curious, which artist do you feel had the best 2016s, either because of their market performance over the year or even notable events that helped their careers? Um, you know, I was uh, looking up as I was thinking about the end of the year, the next year, and um, I don't know if really those are the best. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the best, but some some artists that really caught my eye, um, whose markets um, and curatorially have gotten a lot of attention. And so, uh, one I would like to single out is is Agnes Martin, right? And she, of course, has a gorgeous retrospective uh, filling up the Guggenheim Museum in New York, and uh, it's been critically acclaimed and 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 interestingly her her market uh this year auction market auction sales 
are at an all-time high. Um, they reached $26 million, and um, that's, you know, that's a record. And um, another artist of the same trajectory, because, you know, it's interesting, a lot of artists who have been uh, sort of big uh, market darlings of uh, the last, uh, say, decade, right, like I you know, Warhol including, you know, the markets are down significantly. Um, and so the trajectory is like, it's like they're falling off a cliff from 2014 or 2015 um, for many of these artists, like Jeff Koons as well, you know, the the top was 2014. And then there's just a really significant decline. Like I was looking at recently, you know, Lucio Fontana, same thing. And so it's very interesting to find this, um, as a female artist, for example, uh, Kuzama is another example Again, um, you know, the 2016 was um, a record year in terms of uh, auction revenue, uh, $53.8 million. I'm, I'm using um, the stats from our art price, uh, just to be clear. And, um, you know, she, of course, has um, a, a, a big exhibition um, coming up uh, in February at, at the Hirshhorn, uh, looking at her um, net and all these immersive installations, the infinity room. So I think it's going to be a total blockbuster. I think they're going to have six infinity rooms in, in that show. So anyway, so her, her market um, was very strong. Um, and then, um, you know, it's interesting. Um, uh, of course, uh, another artist who's having a very big moment, um, especially curatorially, is, is Kerry James Marshall. Um, he has a a beautiful and very important um, retrospective at Matt Breuer, um, and uh, quite dazzling. And and it's, you know his market, auction market is 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 very small right now. Um, and yet, of course, again, you know, not surprisingly, 2016 is by far the biggest uh, year at auction on a very small scale. You know, three. $3 million, slightly over, but I'm sure we're going to see a lot of his works come up for sale um, in the next year because also the, you know, the dealers uh, who are uh, controlling the market now, uh, he's represented by David Swerner and Jack Shaman, of course, his longtime dealer, but, you know, you could see in um, Art Basel in Miami Beach, there was huge interest in his works. They were sold instantly and um, I think that the gallery is probably much more careful about who gets this work. So, you know, usually that's the situation when, you know, people who have bought the works early on, you know, they, you know, they put them up for sale. That happened this year um, as well. So anyway, so that, that, that market is going to change, I think, uh, quite significantly. Um, so I don't know, that, that sort of I was thinking about that. And then, of course, Interesting transition also. One of the themes that I've been watching over the past couple of years was the, the whole, we've talked about it, that whole like flip craze, you know, the speculative bubble that um, around this kind of process-based abstraction that was raging in 2014 and 15. And it really, this year, I mean, it was a bust completely. It, it, it's gone. People um, really are out of that market and probably going to sit in the works um, you know, instead of putting them up for sale in, in large numbers. But whenever they they do come up, I mean, it, they're now trade in, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, not hundreds of thousands of dollars. So it's 
quite a significant contraction. But interestingly enough, um, you know, people are kind of shifting focus to a different style, maybe, which is more figurative. And so, you know, the heat, there the, the still are artists who are incredibly sought after and young. And so what I'm noticing is that the whenever... Yeah, I think that dealers are just a lot more savvier now in how they distribute these works, and there's a lot more control. Um, you know, they try to sell them as much as possible to museums and private foundations and um, private museums, public museums, and really restrict the um, kind of collectors who who can obtain. And so, whenever they work do come up for sale at auction, it just goes nuts, right? And um, so one example, um, I actually have a story kind of about some of these things out today on Bloomberg, and one, you know, one example that I'm using is uh, uh, this Belgian artist, uh, Harold Ancart, um, who, you know, he, he his triptych came up for sale at Christie's um, in November during a day sale, and it went for over $700 thousand dollars and in at art basel in miami um clearing gallery that represents him had several works and and you could like you could really see collectors like running down the aisle to this booth in the beginning of the fair just to to get them and um there were there weren't so many works they were all sold they all went to private or public institutions but the primary prices for you know to be fair, much smaller works or kind of uh, these small paintings, paintings of bonfires, sort of deconstructed bonfires. Um, it's not a triptych. You know, sometimes um, artists work on a very large scale. In this case, those are more modestly scaled paintings, but they were 30,000, 45,000. So you can see the arbitrage, right, that exists between you know, that crazy auction record, 751,000. Um, and and the primary market and so that kind of arbitrage I think really creates this kind of speculative bubbles um, that we've seen in the past and and just have to tread very carefully here. And what about on the selling side? Were there any galleries, art fairs, or auction houses that had particularly strong performances this year in your eyes? Um, you know, in terms of fairs, it's. Um, it's a very tricky year this year. I did a story in October right around freeze, and I looked at the calendar of the art fairs globally, and there was more than one art fair opening every single day of that month. So there were more art fairs in October than there were days. And it was it, just pretty much how things look, you know, throughout the year, give or take. Um, and it just, I think that collectors, dealers, everyone is exhausted, you know, everybody is spread out so thin. And so, um, you know, I think that from my conversations with um, with art buyers, with, with, with galleries, you know, everybody is looking very carefully at their commitments for um, for next year. And, and they just sort of, you know, tightening things, you know, fine-tuning where do they really need to go and, you know, how they want to kind of address and engage in this sort of onslaught of fairs. Um, you know, it was interesting to see that, of course, that um, Art Basel Miami Beach this year, uh, they reported overall the same attendance as a year ago, but on the first day, which is a really kind of a bellwether moment where we, as our 
markets reporters and dealers, everybody's gauging the the health of the market and the strength of the market. The the aisles were uh, not as packed, you know, the booths were a lot of times empty. But having said that, you know, transactions, tons of transactions took place, and people seem to be um, overall satisfied with with activity. It's just, just you know, but the but the attendance declined on that first day by about ten percent from a year ago. Uh, of course, there were fears of Zika, and then was everybody was feeling. Oh, well, some people were feeling uh, upset by the results of the election, so some people didn't come. And you know, but 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 the trade, you know, the deals were happening, and of course, uh, the the top sale um, that I managed to. Uh, track down um, was um, you know fifteen million dollar uh, Basquiat that sold uh, at um, Helen Neymar Gallery. So you know there there was there was some big transactions, but um, uh, so so I think that the, it was healthy you know in that sense. Um, in terms of galleries, of course, um, the latest uh, news that. Greg Orvey is leaving Christie's to uh, become a private dealer uh, with uh, Dominique Levy, and now um, that creates uh, an incredibly powerful, um, you know, partnership. Um, the new gallery, you know, he's starting right off um, in January, and um, and so this new gallery, I think, is going to be a real like a powerhouse in the market, um, and. So I think that 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 sort of um, was a big win for I think for Dominique and you know and, and in terms of galleries for the momentum you know everyone is still kind of excited and about Asia and uh, you know David Warner is planning to expand in Hong Kong next year so you know I think that you know some some smaller galleries younger galleries. Um, Suffered um, and and closed, and so there were some very no- notable departures. Lisa Cooley Gallery closed doors, and some other um, you know p- dealers who you know if you talk to their peers, you know the the sentiment was that this the you know Laurel Gitlow also um, closed her gallery, but you know the feeling was that these are the people who would be the next generation of powerhouses, and you know. They're trying to figure out what model um, to implement and how to engage in the market because, you know, running gallery in New York um, for an emerging art gallery is it's very expensive. Um, and some, it's a huge commitment of personal resources, uh, financial resources, and and so some some of these younger dealers are questioning how much they want to um, to give and what what do they what they give back for them, you know, in the in the field that. Um, very um, increasingly driven by the market. And heading into the year, an interesting storyline was the supposed increasing impact of Instagram and other social media on the way in which both artists were discovered and also artworks transacted. In 2016, did this momentum continue? Did Instagram play an increasing role in the art market? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I feel like everyone is on Instagram all the time. People are obsessed (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh um and you know i mean mostly instagram of course plays um a role of disseminating information artists and dealers museums art fairs you know you could you know I spoke with um 
um, just uh, last week I spoke with Simone de Puri, who is one of the people with very large um, followings on art people with very large followings on Instagram. Um, and he said he couldn't come to Miami this year for 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 Basel, but you know he followed followed us on Instagram, and he felt that you know he was completely plugged in um, and knew exactly what was going on. So you know, there's just this: everybody is, is posting, posting, posting. But it, what's changing is that you know there was at some point the perception that really younger kids who are on Instagram and the millennials, and you know now you know the the big change I think as the year closes is that you know we're seeing that really major collectors are also on Instagram and um in some cases really huge transactions take place through Instagram for you can't buy or sell directly on the platform but um I had, again, a story this week about, um, again, a Basque painting that um, sold for $24 million, and and it was posted on Instagram initially, and then, um, so Brad Gorby, who I mentioned earlier, he was flying to Hong Kong, and the, the painting was being taken to Hong Kong for Christie's private selling exhibition there, and, uh, you know, he posted it, he got on the plane, and 16 hours later, he got off the plane, turned on his phone back, and he had several uh, queries about the work, and one led Im- immediately to an offer, and the person ended up buying the work, like literally sight unseen, um, through like in two days that the deal was uh, finished. So, you know, <laughs> it's kind of mind-boggling, like to think that something like this could happen. Of course, um, you know, the risk, you know, had this painting not sold you know, it was exposed to such a broad audience on Instagram, does it make, you know, does that create risk of burning something um, even more? You know, there are obviously interesting issues that arise from from this. But, you know, as online sales grow, and um, according to this study um, by um, a recent study, the growth, annual growth of online art market is 24%. Um, Every year, so I think that the platform is is, is definitely you know playing a, a huge role in in promotions and and going forward in sales. And as we end 2016 and look ahead to 2017, how are participants feeling about the strength of the art market at the moment? It seems like it's, it's, people are feeling better. You know, they like I mentioned earlier, the the year started with so much anxiety about financial markets, about oil prices, about how that affects the art market. You know, the early auctions last year in, in February in, in London, some of the works were sold by uh, Jolo and, you know, and, and they just, or rather Sotheby's, you know, that lent Jolo money. And so those works had to be sold. And, uh, and, and the, the results were like 30% below purchase price, and that really freaked people out, I think, significantly. Um, But private sales throughout the year, you know, dealers say were strong. You know, a lot of sales are moving um, into private channels, just, you know, people need to sell. Sometimes they don't want to necessarily expose their works at auction. And I think that as the um, year progressed, it became clearer and clearer that the demand is there, especially for blue chip works for fresh pieces to the market. So 
whenever something came up, you know, we've seen amazing results in November for Monet, for the Kooning, for younger artists. You know, um, there were an enormous group of Richters on the market. And, and, you know, in September, when I was sort of previewing it, you know, Richter market was in a, not in great shape at all. It, 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 it like by, by September, it, it showed like a, a massive, massive contraction from the previous year. You know, two pieces, there were like top lots at Sotheby's and Christie's in the first half of the year. They were withdrawn. One was during the Brexit um, auction one was in February, so it was like this nervousness about the Richter market. But then in November, were 18 paintings by Richter offered by Christie's, Sotheby's, and Phillips, and uh, most of them sold, um, setting you know huge prices. So basically, the, the market absorbed um, quite a large number of, of works by, by by Richter, and it really gave it um, a confidence. Uh, towards the end of the year, so you know that coupled with you know private sales, you know we don't know really what those private sales are, and I'm sure a lot of dealers are trying to spin it, you know, towards even more positive um, kind of a vibe because the art market, you know, so much is based on perception and and the mood. But you know, basically, it, it seems like the market has found its footing. It's at the level that is a lot lower than in the last couple of years, 2015 and 14, but there is no panic. Nobody is, I don't think, I don't sense um, panic. I don't sense sort of despair um, that was seen after, you know, in 2009. Um, it's just, it just contracted and then, you know, it reached some kind of a plateau at a lower level and, you know, it continues. Um, you know, so, so it's probably a I wonder if we've seen the bottom um, sort of in November and and the market is going to either stay flat in 2017 or even kind of inch up a little bit um, uh, next year. Katja, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and reflecting on 2016 with us. We always appreciate having you on. And if our listeners don't already, they should certainly follow you on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? Oh, it's our detective. Fantastic. Thanks again, and happy holidays and happy New Year's. Oh, thank you very much, and happy holidays to you. Thanks again to ArtBase for sponsoring this week's episode of the podcast. Did you know that ArtBase is the best love software in the art world? That's because ArtBase offers products that do everything you need to run your art business. Track your art and your contacts and cross-reference them. Make invoices, generate consignments, run all kinds of reports. Even use it on your iPhone or iPad at art fairs or while you're away. Take it from the thousands of happy ArtBase clients all over the world. ArtBase is the right software for your art business. Visit ArtBase.com to find out more.